step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Why would the interview be after the intro? Your your podcast <laughs> logic is lacking. The interview isn't after the intro. The intro it comes before the interview. Now, <laughs> what kind of circular logic are you using <laughs> to confuse me right now? Yes, the interview is after this. All right, I just want to clarify. I wasn't sure if you were putting the intro before or the intro after, think, and just and just miscalling an outro. I think the definition definition of intro is before the rest of the thing. You no, should not. I, I don't know. I know. I'm just trying to figure out. Maybe you were misusing intro and you meant outro. I don't know. Oh my god! Well, you yeah, your 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 word logic has been been lacking after I beat you in words with friends finally. <laughs> yeah, what, what, one one game to five? Get out of oh, here! Oh come on! It's like That's two crazy. to one or three to one. Yeah, you won the what? first. Are game. you are you joking right now? Oh please! Look I in was, your history. I was I was in the I was drunk and laying in the in a curb in New York City. <laughs> When I played you in that game where I lost, I actually, I, like, I actually had Harold uh, drop something in your drink in uh, New York. And, uh, <laughs> oh my god, I gotta, I gotta email Harold too. Oh, I got so many. Th- I forgot, to, I forgot to reach out to Harold. I'm the worst person. Ever. <laughs> uh, you had a lot oh going on. Oh my god, no, I think. He, it, didn't his his invite sounded kind of like, oh man, how do I get out of this? I live here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he just was busy the like three hours that you were free. <laughs> yeah, no, he 
he emailed me. He was like, uh, "I'll I'll get away for a drink. Email email or text me." And actually, I think he gave me his phone number. I don't know. All I know is I dropped the ball. Oh my great! You're so, the worst, Harold. If you're listening, I will come to New York and, and I hang totally out with you. dropped the ball. And I we just, will. I was no. You know, here's what. Okay, why, why don't you uh, intro what I was doing in New York? Yes. Okay. So on today's show, we're going to talk about Grace Towel Wars Team NL only. Uh, nice, uh, I looked at your team, pretty seven. good. What? I counted seven claps. <laughs> like, how usually many? you do, like, nine to twelve claps. All right, I here, here's, here's your extra claps. There you go, you get quick <laughs> claps to fill it up. Are those last three done on your belly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk that, a couple injuries to lefties, uh, someone with a Liz Frank, that sort of thing. And then our big interview with Rudy and the guys from Steamer, uh, Peter and Jared, two of their founders, are going to hop on the show and talk about numbers projections and how that fuels some of our tools like Streaminator, Pitcher, uh, Streaminator, uh, Pitcher, wait, Hitterotron and Streaminator. <laughs> Damn it, I, well, I always get them mixed up. Uh, you, you did a great promo. Oh, come on. My marketing's still better than yours. I can't, I can't yours. imagine why MeUndies isn't knocking down our door. Oh, my God. At least my intro wasn't, uh, you know, Streaminator. It sells so many copies. It sells, oh. Actually, that would be... Eh, oh, that might work. You're the, you're the worst pitch man ever. <laughs> you're the worst man man ever. <laughs> you're a bitch man. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Let's talk about your Tower Wars teams. You literally landed like an hour ago from New York. I, uh, Barely, yeah. I was. Uh, I've been up since like five in the morning my time. I uh, I flew out on Friday at like at like seven a.m. Got into New York. Was there for a day and a half. Did Tower Wars and then flew out this morning at uh, in the uh, Monday morning. Right? I I really I didn't even do anything. I'll tell you how lame I was. This is what I was gonna say before when we were talking about Harold. I hope he he listens this far into the podcast because I feel bad before when we were saying that I I didn't call him. I and, uh, on Saturday night I stayed in and I was doing mock drafts of the Wars. <laughs> You're doing NL only mock drafts. I was in New York City. I'm so lame. <laughs> what has happened to me? What have I become? Oh my god. Uh, I was doing. I was, and you think I'm joking? I was really doing mock drafts to try and figure out how to draft a team in Tower Wars. Well, why can't they do this uh, this draft uh, over over the internet?s Why do they do it? <laughs> I in person? know. I I. You know what? Maybe next year, if if I win this year, I think <laughs> I think that's going to be one of that's going to be my one and only suggestion. That like they put. A computer up on the table and I Skype in because it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot for two days. Yeah, I feel like most of these other guys are are East Coast guys. So yeah, everyone's East Coast. Or uh, I think the furthest is like Andy Barons, who's coming in from Chicago. But oh most, yeah, he's I, in Chicago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was he was wearing a boa during the draft. It was a little weird, but um, yeah. So uh, anyway, I was doing mock drafts. The night before, because uh, well, last year was a disaster. <laughs> Not to, I don't want to mince words here. Last year's Tower Wars team was 
an utter just it, it was just a mess. Whatever I drafted, it didn't work. Um, I'll, I'll put a little bit of blame on D. Gordon taking Peds. Uh, yeah, that didn't help. That was probably <laughs> yeah, your no. only speed source too. Yeah, yeah, no, that was it. I went, I went from probably, I went from projected to be about probably second or third overall in steals to dead last in steals, and everything else followed. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. So anyway, so this year I was trying to figure out how to draft a team that was really strong on hitting, a team that I could like be proud of for hitting. And then for pitching, I sort of decided I was going to, I was going to cobble together pitching a little bit to see if I could get guys that would be a medium range, not necessarily punt pitching totally, but look at guys that are, you know, in the 10 to 15 range and guys that are probably good for 170 to 200 innings. So I don't know. Uh, anyway, you, you can you can read through my team a little bit and yeah, tell yeah, people yeah. what I got. Uh, well, just to, you spent one ninety on hitters and seventy on pitchers. Most teams did something similar with that kind of split, so everyone kind of had the same plan. You just got uh, four guys in the double digit range for your pitching staff. You've got Robbie Ray, John Lackey, Aaron Nola, and Jeff Samarja. You know, that, that doesn't sound good if you play in mixed leagues, but in an NL only, I think that's decent. You minimize a lot of Ray's uh, ratio uh, issues and risk. I did. Yeah, that's very astute of you. I uh, I had a war room in front of me during the draft, which I uh, I, I talk about. I, actually, the post that's going up before this podcast is going to be about the Tout Wars draft. <laughs> so people, by the time they get to this, they'll be totally sick of Tout Wars. But... What I was going to say is I had uh, my war room said I was really terrible in K's, but pretty decent, actually, in ERA and WHIP. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think that's a lot to do with Lackey, Nola, and Samarja's um, ratios. Uh, you know, I don't think any of them are really going to kill you in ratios. Um, Nola and Lackey supposedly are, are projected for with quotes around it, they're projected for good ratios. So that's the idea there. And Robbie Ray is really my only, it's my only real strong K guy. Yeah. Uh, you wrap it up with uh, Seth Lugo, Yoli Chassin and Cody Reed as kind of some cheap flyers. You got a couple closers and Naftali Felice and Jim Johnson, but you'll definitely be looking on the wire for pitching because your hitters are pretty effing awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. That's uh. Yeah, that was like I was like I was really like I'm kind of sick of doing these like super crazy deep leagues and coming away with guys that will, um, for instance, like a uh, Aaron Hill, a guy who will get 350 at bats and be okay, but really not very exciting to own. So I was going I was going for some excitement. I wanted a little bit of sexy on my on my heading. Yeah, uh, you went cheap at catcher, though, but that's what a lot of people did. Uh, Mezzarocco and Austin Hedges. I love Austin Hedges for $5. That was an awesome buy. He's got some good sleeper appeal. Um, then your Goldschmidt, Franco, Adam Lind. Eh, but, you know, he was your cheap guy. Uh, Trey yeah. Turner, $5 for Cozart and 7 for Freddie Galvis. Those are some great value middle infield guys. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, I, everyone, I think, is really scared of Freddie Galvis because of J.P. Crawford, but there's no guarantee he comes up or end or plays or completely just displaces Freddie Galvez. I mean, yeah, that's 
I mean, that's the assumption, but there's no guarantee of that. Freddie Galvis could easily play the whole season, and if he does anything like he did last year, then, I mean, it, for $7, it's amazing value. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, to give uh, to give people some idea, I think, uh, you know, like Kelton Wong went for $11. He's, <laughs> he's, he's in... I mean, he's definitely in a platoon. You can't get one of your favorite 2015 sleepers names completely wrong. <laughs> that was pretty close. <laughs> That's true. Uh, All right, here's another guy. So uh, Wilmer Flores, he went for $7. I mean, $7 for Wilmer Flores, who's definitely yeah. a platoon player, versus Freddie Galvez, who's $7. Uh, that, that seems like a slam dunk. In favor of what I got, the value I got for Galvez. Um, to go back to backtrack just a little bit, like Devin Mezzarocco has had problems <laughs> legitimately. I'll I'll give him that. But let's say Travis Deneau. I mean, he's had major issues, and he went for five dollars. He went for two dollars more than Mezzarocco. Yeah. Um, let's say Tom Murphy has a fractured forearm, and he went for four dollars. So, yeah, that might work which out, is though. more than Mezzarocco. Now, I'm not saying Murphy wasn't good for four dollars. It's fine, but I'm I'm just saying Mezzarocco for three dollars is more than worth you know a three dollar investment. Um, uh, yeah, even th- if he only plays a hundred games, I mean it's it's a two catcher league, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, uh, your outfield's and, awesome. And then the yeah. one the one guy who uh, you sort of blew through that Sorry. a lot of people at the drafts were saying they felt like that was the best buy was uh, Trey Turner for $30. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at Matt Carpenter right next to him for 27 <laughs> That feels yeah, like a great buy. Exactly, yeah. Um, Matt Carpenter for $27. Um, uh, Mel, uh, uh, Lenny Melnick, got a, he, he took Will Myers and McCutcheon for $58, which is... You know, uh, let's say uh, Giancarlo and Gold. Giancarlo and I'm sort of doing apples and oranges. Giancarlo was only twenty eight dollars, and Trey Turner was thirty. Yeah. So fifty eight dollars for Trey Turner and Giancarlo versus fifty eight dollars for same. Will Myers and Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah. So I mean, that's like I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's that's pretty good value. He made some yeah weird buys. Baez for twenty dollars versus Trey Turner for thirty. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, no, like uh, Trey Turner for thirty versus you know, uh, Cepedes went for twenty seven. Let's see, maybe some apples to apples uh, for second baseman. D Gordon went for twenty six. Yikes. I, you know, like Trey Turner at 30 doesn't look so bad. Was that an early nomination or something and everyone got gun shy? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure why the room led up on Trey Turner. I have him, I had him listed for $35 on my sheet. Uh, so I was ready to go for five more dollars. For the most part, I will say the room is, the room's pretty right on with the values. Like Trey Turner was an exception. Like uh, guys like, like Goldschmidt, I had him for forty. I got him for forty. Uh, Mikel Franco, I got him for twenty-two. I had him for twenty-two. Like everyone is like down the line. I didn't really go much higher than my values, except for uh, 
I went higher on one guy, but I'll, I'll get to them. I'll get to him. So go ahead, continue yeah. with my outfield. And then your outfield, Giancarlo, Keon Broxton. We talked about how we liked Yasmani Tomas. He got him for 14. Conforto for 10. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I yeah, feel that about was that my big, I feel like that was – I was – that is a place where I, I went a little higher than I probably should have. And I, I regret it a little bit, but I, uh, I probably should have put the 10, like the Conferto, uh, I should have probably put like seven of those dollars more into my pitching and went for a much cheaper, uh, you know, last outfielder there. I think my, uh, I think Conforto at $10 is a, a little bit expensive. I actually, I my value said he was he was he was at fourteen dollars, but I have him for also for four hundred plus at bats, which is very iffy. Um, mm-hmm. I I probably if I were to dock him seventy five at bats down to three twenty five for at bats, it's probably that's probably pretty fair actually, considering how you know there there's plenty of guys to play in front of him, uh, so. I think he'd probably come down to about a six or seven dollar guy. So I probably went a little bit over on Conferto. Um, I didn't, but, but Yasmani, when you look at Yasmani Tomas for $14, right next to him, Jay Bruce went for 15 Jay yes. Bruce goes for more than Yasmani Tomas? I, I don't know. I mean, if you look at their, if you just look at their stats, there's no reason why that could, that should be. Um, you know, like, uh, well, I, I like uh, I like Duvall. Like he went for uh, seventeen, but I like that. I like him at that price. That's then, pretty decent. That's a pretty decent price, actually. Walt, um, Walton, I'm just going through other teams. Yeah, but Walt, like, Walton took Gritchick for seventeen and Peralta for sixteen. Give me Yasmani over both those guys. Right. Yeah. Actually, Peralta would have been my guy instead of Conforto. Um, I was. I only had uh, I was at it was at a point where I only had sixteen dollars was my uh, max bid. It was getting towards the end, and Peralta was up, and I I went to sixteen. Actually, I think he went to sixteen, and I was about to say seventeen, and they were like, uh, "You're you're you've reached your max bid, so you get it." <laughs> and then they kicked you out. Yeah, and I was like, "Well." When you guys are working on three hours jet lag and you're up at eight in the morning doing a draft, you let me know. But yeah, I uh, I almost had Peralta. That was like he was like the last decent outfielder on the board. Um, and then after him, as you as you can see, like these are in order of how they were drafted. Like uh, Conferto, I think was. I think he was uh, like next, or maybe it was like Alex Dickerson, but there was like very little after Peralta. It was like Peralta, and then there was a big drop off to Conferto or, um, you know, uh, Marcakis or Dickerson. And like Marcakis went for $10. He went for the same as Conforto. I, I don't know. I mean, that makes Conferto look better, I think. Mm, but, yeah. you know, it I mean, depends. Marcakis he's got, is going to play. He's got at bats. I actually. Yeah. My uh, my utility guy, I was really psyched about. Uh, he's not really someone for a mixed league team, but I got Alan Hansen. Uh, he's a Pirates backup. Yeah. He's backing up. He's backing up all over the field, and he's out of options. And he's been hitting like three fifty in spring training. So I mean, it's no it's no it's no guarantee. But for a dollar, 
for my utility guy, I I really liked Hanson. I wanted to get him. I was I was thinking it was either going to be it was like in the range of like you know you have a dollar max bid uh, bid for every player, and I was like, uh, if I throw him out there and someone bids him up, I'm screwed. But I put him out there, and no one no one else wanted Alan Hanson, which I mean maybe there was a reason for it because it's Alan Hanson, but he did. <laughs> Hit eight homers and stole thirty-six bases in the minor leagues in AAA last year. Uh, he hit like I think two sixty-six. Uh, so I mean, there's something there. He was he was a bit of a sleeper last year, and he's only I think he's twenty-three years old. I like him. I think he's uh, he's someone who could really he could surprise this year if Harrison goes down with an injury or. You know, any really just about anyone yeah. in the infield, uh, barring like a first baseman or a third baseman or uh, outfield. I think you know Hanson can play all over the field. Yeah, so. Jung, Jung Ho Gong getting his uh, work visa declined or whatever. Yeah, so like little things like that. Yeah, so it's like you know it's you know and which a lot of their guys. I mean Harrison is doesn't really stay on the field all that much. Um, you know McCutcheon's got issues all the time uh polanco's already got a shoulder issue they're uh you know jordy mercer is their shortstop he's garbage so yeah i mean hopefully and he's uh, like i said before he's out of options so they can't send him down alan hansen will he'll he'll be on the bench or they have to release him which i don't i don't think there's any chance in hell they're releasing him so yeah alan hansen's gonna be on the team so i like it i uh you know, he's definitely, I mean, he's no more than a dollar player in NL only. Um, but yeah. for that gamble, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty decent. So, and then uh, <laughs> I got I got a bunch of crap for my bench. <laughs> eh, whatever. Don't. Yeah. You can read Gray's post on that. We don't need to talk about your stupid bench. I do want to mention I love Steve Gardner's uh, pitching staff. I think he knocked that out of the park. <laughs> you're, you're, you're the one, huh? Um, oh, come yeah, on. That's great. I, like, I mean, uh, uh, I, I like John Lester and Taiwan Walker, but. Uh, Matt Harvey for I, only $10? Yeah, like no, he, it was a, it's, a, it's a good gamble I mean, for $10. Lo- I mean, you're looking at, like, Gazelman going for 11 Mike Fultonevich going for 11 Yeah, no, I, mean, I know. It, it's I, a great Samarja value. went for 11 I, I got Samarja yeah, for 11 Yeah, give me Matt uh, Harvey. Yeah. I mean, he was hitting 95 consistently. I watched some of his last start in spring training against the Braves, I believe. Uh, Wainwright for $5? I mean, he's going to eat innings. Straightly uh, for four dollars, the same thing. I think he got some decent values. I know they're not sexy, but whatever. No, no, he, he did. I mean, I think uh, for ten dollars, it's hard. It's hard to disagree with Matt Harvey there. I don't. I'm not even a hundred percent sure if he wanted Matt Harvey. I know, but, yeah. but I'm sure he took him for for ten dollars. I think anyone will take All him. Right. So check out Gray's uh, Tout Wars post that's on the site now for a little bit more, and you can see the whole draft results and all that. And uh, Give him, uh, give him some crap for his bench. Everyone yell at his bench. <laughs> um, all right, so a couple pieces of news before we get to the steamer, guys. Uh, injuries to lefties. Rodon's got a biceps thing. He's going to miss opening day, probably be on the DL. Not, and Steven Matz has elbow tenderness. Love my elbow tender, Gray. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think Steven Matz is... Probably he's got to be just about off the board for most people. Yeah, I mean, I, I he's didn't had, have he's had so many arm injuries, and it's not even 
we're not even talking just uh, last year. He's had arm injuries for just about his whole career. He's had injuries. So I would stay far away from Matt. Oh, uh, this uh, uh, just uh, came out that Cody Reed, his start today was uh, pretty good. Three and two thirds innings. Gave up 10 runs, Gray. That's <laughs> <laughs> not, not totally surprising. It's a, it's a flyer, man. It's a flyer. It's a flyer. Um, I'm not totally proud of my Cody Reed and uh, <laughs> I, I got Cody Reed and <laughs> Sal Romano. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's the bench of the net. I think, uh, yeah, he was the (laughs) Sal Romano. I think was one of the jerky boys. I don't even Sal Romano is like the stereotypical wop. I thought he was. Yeah, I thought he was the one that made the onion rings at the Sopranos. (laughs) Yeah, I think he might have been the Italian and uh, do the right thing. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Um, So yeah, I I wasn't really going for. uh, I wasn't really going for Rodon or Mats either way, so uh, I'm, uh, you know, that just took him off my board anyway. Uh, JD Martinez, we got confirmation there. He has a Liz Frank spring, going to miss four to five weeks, if not longer. Uh, where do where do you think he goes in drafts now for you? Uh, well, I dropped him down to the bottom of the top 100. He's around, I think, 95 overall now. I uh, I see him kind of like a. And he's a a risky twenty five homer good counting stats guy. Um, I, I'd say that it's probably a chance that you know he has a setback and he doesn't really play because I mean that's what he's done for the last couple of years. I'm, I'm not too I'm not too confident in JD Martinez's ability to stay on the field, but yeah, I, I docked him a hundred and. 20 at bats and now he's uh i have him at 25 homers and a 280 average which is kind of like uh kyle schwerber area yeah yeah i asked you this last week what do you think now that we have a timeline david Dahl or jd martinez Mm, you know i think uh i think jd martinez but it's yeah. It's not. Uh, it's not totally crystal clear in my in my head. I think uh, Dahl has. Last I heard, Dahl couldn't even. He couldn't swing a bat yet. So he's he's nowhere near a hundred percent. And we're like, you know, we're going on three weeks where he's been sidelined. Where they're like, oh yeah, it'll be no. You know, he'll be as good as new by the by uh, the first week of the season. And uh, yeah, last I heard, he couldn't swing the bat. So. I'm not totally. Uh, I'm not crazy about Dahl anymore, uh, but I'd probably go JD Martinez. Just I don't know because he has a bit more of a uh, a track record, <laughs> a track record of being injured. <laughs> no, I don't know a track record of being good when he's on the field. So yeah, I'd, I'd go JD. Uh, I only briefly saw this. I don't even know if you uh, you probably saw this. I don't know while you're mock drafting your NL only teams. <laughs> I'm the biggest dork ever. It's like it's embarrassing. Uh, but Gregory Polanco's got a shoulder thing, which is scary. yeah, I saw that. Okay, so is this docking him? Is do you nah, think he's gonna miss? not docking him. He's. I mean, hopefully it's nothing. But I mean, he he's had that on, and he it seems like that's a day to day thing for him, where you know he wakes up and. Some days it's better than others. I don't know. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's not a big thing. I mean, if he was like, you know, if he was a forty homer guy, and I, I was worried about his power, but I think he's got some speed. I'm, 
Um, I think he could still get to the, you know, 2020 numbers that I project for him. So I'm not that concerned. All right. I have him on my NFBC team, and we're going to do this live on air, Gray. I am in the 50th and final round of my wow. NFBC. Did you? Uh, my, my, no, my, you, you guys have, you, la- you lapped up. Oh, really? Our, we our, were super our slow draft to start. Went to, yeah, I know. You were, you were way behind us. Our draft slowed big time. I don't know what happened, but we're in like the 48th round. Uh, so, well, I mean, <laughs> People you're stopped drafting in our, I mean, and this is the <laughs> point where you can literally, you don't, you can have your dog choose a player at this point. It doesn't even matter. Hey, don't, is. Ted, Ted is a very smart guy. <laughs> yeah, no. Ted actually attacked me the other day. Oh, no. What do he do? We'll, say, we'll save that story for all another right, time. All right. we'll, <laughs> save, we'll save that for later. Uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I uh, I ended up we, – we were texting about my team, and uh, I drafted nothing but pitchers pretty much for a while. I think I did pretty well. I'm not going to read my whole team because it's 50 rounds and that's stupid. Uh, but who are who are some uh, who's a guy on your queue right now that might be a good late round pick that might be available for me? Um, oh man, my queue is a mess. I have right now. I have Kevin Newman as a as you see. I'm really who's I'm, in, I'm really Newman? interested in. I'm <laughs> Kevin Newman. Uh, isn't he the one who like sings the Toy Story song? Kevin Newman. No, um, I don't know who you're thinking of. Uh, are you are you thinking of Wayne Knight? Are you yeah. thinking of the guy who plays Newman? No, no. Who sings? You got friend in me. <laughs> Randy Newman. Oh, um, there it is. Yes, you're yeah. confusing Randy Newman, Wayne Knight, and and the pirate shortstop prospect. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah. As you can see, I don't have much faith in Jordy Mercer playing a whole season for the Pirates. I need. So I have. Uh, I have Kevin Newman in my queue. Okay. Uh, he's a shortstop pirate. Uh, I have. Um, Jake Thompson, uh, Philly's uh, prospect. Yeah. He was uh, oh, he went already. He's a, I have I think uh, so. Lucas He's... Sims. I have mm. um, Alex Presley. Uh, could get at bats now that uh, JD's gone. Um, yeah, no, gone Mo- for six Moya weeks. went pretty early in this one. People, yeah. Are... Um, I got Chris Coglin, who's uh, who's got good eligibility, second in outfield. I have um, actually. I'm reading these, and we're still drafting. I'm telling people in my league who is in my queue right now. Uh, God damn it! <laughs> oh, and I have uh, Stephen Cardulo, who is uh, he was hitting well in, in spring, and he is uh, a backup for Mark Reynolds on the Rockies. Yeah, maybe I should go back and look at what positions I need to be sure I have completely covered. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is this is good. This so is, I went into. Uh, I think I even was saying this to you when you were out here uh, for spring training. I so I go into the towel wars and I'm like, "What do you guys think of Gauss? You think he can take over for JD?" <laughs> I'm so like <laughs> I am so wrapped up in Anthony Gauss from the uh, the Tigers, uh, uh, yeah. the ex Blue Jay, the washout. Speedster. So I'm like all about him. I'm like, what do you guys think? You because th- I'm like I'm drafting an NFBC, and I'm like, you guys think he can get some at bats? You think they'll they'll play him? What's up? <laughs> yeah, and they're like, ah, we like. Uh, uh, they were saying they like Jacoby Jones better, and I was like, ah, oh, man, Gauss though. I love Gauss. <laughs> and then I see a news update. <laughs> He's decided to become a pitcher. <laughs> 
didn't even know that. That's like uh, when uh, I went to the uh, Cardinals spring training game, and all of a sudden Jordan Schaefer started pitching. I was like, what? Why is he pitching? What happened? Yeah, right. What happened? Oh, uh, this is how many yeah. Guys are. yeah, it's not a good sign when you get to the point in your queue where guys are becoming pitchers. <laughs> I mean, there's some interesting, uh, maybe uh, closer last second guys like Randall Delgado is still available. Is he? Could he close? Yeah, um, I mean, I, you know, that's such a a shit show. They're just all uh, flyers. Yeah, I, I should probably get a bat. Just I mean, I, I would guess Delgado is more of a long man um, uh, that could get potentially he gets starts if anything. I have uh, for potential saves if that's what you need in my queue. I have uh, Robles. I don't know if he's available in yours, uh, but Hansel? you know, Reed is yeah Hansel. Yeah, Reed is Reed is no guarantee and. Uh, Familia is going to get suspended for some amount of time that people will know about by the time they listen to this because yeah, it's out he's, tonight. He's meeting with Manfred, so we might get eh, Robles is still available. That that makes good sense. I don't know. I'll pick someone. Um, great. I think that's uh, as good a time as any to get to the steamer, guys. Talk about some projections. You're not invited. I'm bringing Rudy <laughs> like with me. I like how you're like, all oh, this build-up, like, oh, yeah, let's decide who I'm going to draft last. <laughs> we talk about it for 10 minutes, and then you, you end with, all right, I'll figure it out on my own. <laughs> oh, fine. Okay, well, I need a bat. I, is Con- how many is Coughlin actually going to play some? Yeah, second base outfield. He'll, he'll back up. Uh, yeah, because Howie Kendrick's not going to stay on the field. Coughlin will play. That's a good point. It's a good park. Fine. Drafted Chris Coughlin. My NFBC team is complete. <laughs> there, nice. you happy, Gray? Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Have fun with the steamer, guys. All right. I will. All right. I'll talk to you. And joining Rudy and I on the Rasball Baseball Podcast are Peter Rosenblum and Jared Cross, two of the founders of Steamer, to join us and talk some number projection, projections. Ah, I can't talk. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us. I know we. Uh, I know everyone kind of has questions about how projections work and what kind of uh, what kind of number systems you put into them. So I'm going to kind of kick it to you, Rudy. What questions do you have for these steamer guys? Yeah. No. And uh, yeah, just to give some feel, I think uh, Jared. When, when did we meet up and start talking? Was it like like five years ago or so that we Something started like working that. together? Uh, yeah. We, we were emailing back and forth for a while. Um, then uh, met once at a bar around Union Square area. It probably is four or five years ago. Was that was that yeah. pre kid? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I I think it I think it was pre kid. Yeah, that, and my kid's like five. Wow. Yeah. No, so so ja- Jared Jared is officially the fir- was the first, and he still might be the only per- person who does projections and does and like um actually somewhat embraces the fantasy community. So I remember. So, yeah, we, we bonded pretty quick, I think, off of, like, those Tango Tiger boards where I used to kind of, hey, I used to try to uh, ingratiate myself unsuccessfully. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. You know, you only, have to, you only have to, like, you know, if you bat 100, you know, in life, you know, matters what that one hit was. So I like, um, I like the uh, timeline pre-kid. I like that unit of time measurement. That sounds it, uh, pretty useful. It's, yeah, I know. It, it kind of mirrors the Christian calendar. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. It, it seems yeah. Uh, uh, if uh, AD is you know 
after uh, delivery, then yeah, your, your life's a lot different in the AD years versus the BC versus years. Versus the BC yeah. years. I have to give up my most serious fantasy well. team there. What's that? I have to I have to give up my most serious fantasy team uh, come kid time. That's that's how serious we're talking here. Oh man. Yeah that. Yeah that that's 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 tough. Yeah, I think um, a, a lot of those initial home leagues go go by the wayside. But, but, yes. but I will say, you know, Jared having kids was actually a, um, a godsend for my team because my entire league was getting dominated by Jared until he had to step down in ours as well. So now I actually have a shot, which which is great for me. Oh, it's nice. I hope you sent like a nice uh, baby present, you know, a little nicer baby present just for, uh, you know, <laughs> at, at, donate some of those winnings. Exactly. Of course, he deserves it. Yeah. So speaking about kids and settling down, um, I thought I'd I thought I'd uh, start this off with asking, when is Steamer and Eric Thames gonna gonna tie the knot, make it official? Oh, I think I think we're definitely flirting. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty serious. Um, you know, this is one of those weird situations where I think I probably end up rooting for a guy a little bit uh, because Steamer likes him so much, right? Um, Tim's one of the, the rare guys we like more than the fans on Fangraphs, who are always optimistic, right? Um, Zips likes him. Clay Davenport likes him. So I think, like, all the folks doing the math like him. Um, he's put up some seasons in uh, Korea that were, I think his 2015 season might have been the best season they ever had. Uh, and the, in, in and the weird thing is, like, we, we, we've, we've seen Americans go over to Japan and dominate. Um I, I feel like Tuffy Rhodes. There was like a couple of guys that really came, that were like, and it isn't like uh, Vladimir Valentin doing really uh, yeah. well in Japan. Vladimir, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I know it's like he's got that W there that it's like it's just like he's yeah, Tawanian native uh, Indians, but um, <laughs> yeah, that. But I feel like Tames is the first American to to really go to Korea. Uh, for baseball, <laughs> right? Well, they they um, they've changed the rules a little bit back and forth about uh, you know how many foreign players they can have. And I think two thousand, maybe two thousand fourteen, they started allowing three foreign players on a team, and and at least one had to be a hitter, something like that. Um, and so so we're we're starting to see some guys over there, and that was his first uh, year over there. Right. So, so do you think some of that is just maybe a case where, um, yeah, I mean, some of the bullishness could be that there's just not a lot of precedent and that because to me, when I look at it, I say, you know, when you're playing in different leagues, the pitching is going to be a little different. You might have a little less on the fastball, although fastballs aren't really what kill hurts hitters. It's just, you know, um, I don't know. I find, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting thing one with Thames. Um, I'll be honest. I still did. I don't think I drafted him in any league. He was probably near my leaderboard a couple times and I just couldn't pull the trigger. Uh, I think I, I, I think it would be even crazier if he never um, really played in the majors. But we got to I think I got a taste of Eric Thames in a down year. So, so I'm on the uh, the downside. But, um, yeah, no, that, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, how he translates. If he does well, I mean, that's going to be pretty uh, ridiculous going forward for other uh, people who maybe go go to Korea and come back. That'd be a good way to build up your stock. Yeah. Um, I mean, Steamer, 
All right, certainly takes into account that um, this is this is a lower level league that we should expect um, less production. It's basically treating a KBO like a a double A more or less. Um, it also sort of says stats from Korea maybe shouldn't be given quite as much uh, weight as uh, major league stats. So this kind of goes against something that Bill James said. He, Bill James said that once you sort of do the translation, once you take into account the quality of the league, you can treat minor league stats as being just as predictive as major league stats. And we don't do that exactly. We think they're a little less predictive. Um, but then, you know, so so I think that adds a little uncertainty. Like we, we, we would admit that... Uh, for Thames, there's 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 less that you can uh, <clears throat> a little less you can know about his ability, but we'd still say we're probably more certain about how he'd perform. If maybe that's the wrong word uh, than someone like Kyle Schwarber, who who we don't you know have too much data at high level baseball, um, and probably similar to someone like Stanton, where where he's been out with injuries a fair bit. Um, so so I think there's some uncertainty here, but we you know we'd feel pretty much as good about that projection as we do about you know, a, a fair number of them. No, no, and I, th- I mean, it brings up a good point that um, I think, you know, interesting or that is, you know, how you handle minor league stats versus major league stats. And so for someone like a Schwarber, um, so that there's the concept of uncertainty, but so when you're taking like a, if, if all you had was a guy's double and triple A stats and you guys project, just so you guys know, the perspective here, which we, we put out there today shows you guys are projecting for every, just about every hitter in the in the minor leagues. Um, yep. So when you see something like a single A and double A performance, is it, you know, there's this concept, yeah, well, it's not a statistical process of like things like regression. Um, but would you say what you're doing with double A is saying, okay, if you hit 300 in double A, the translation is that that's equivalent to let's say 250 in the majors. And it's just purely translated, translated, or is the fact that there's maybe not a lot of at bats? Do you do you also like regress that to right. some type of means? So, so I think well, yeah. What Jared actually was touching on exactly is that is that exactly. So we not only put a regression on that, you know, depending on if you're in Korean league and Japanese league in any part of the minors, but on top of that, we're going to say if you're in a. Uh, you know, lesser known or less um, watched league, we might say that that's going to be less predictive as well. So yes, we're going to put a normal statistical regression, but then we're going to say that it's not an exact translation once you get to that um, regression point. You know, I, I, I think Jared might be able to add a little bit more onto that. No, I think that makes So a question would be, so for regression, the biggest driver on the regression is really for a hitter or a pitcher would be the number of plate appearances and number of innings pitched. Yes, yeah, so, so you could treat like um, six hundred, you know, plate appearances in Korea as being, you know, five hundred plate appearances in, in in the majors in terms of how much weight you'd give it. You'd also do okay. the, the the translation and say, hey, it's you know lower level competition. Okay, uh, that that makes sense. Um, so you had mentioned Stanton, and I think you know one interesting thing is that, and this is how I look at the projections. Um, you know, when I look at a, a guy like Stanton or um, maybe even like Matt Carpenter from last year is the challenge of, you know, they performed, but maybe not at 100 percent. And that kind of that. And so that's their performance is maybe is less representative. I think 
Bryce Harper last year would be an excellent example because it, um, you know, from what I'm hearing that, you know, his shoulder was just off all year. Um, is would it be fair to say that that's probably the, the most difficult thing, or let's just say the one, one of the, one of the toughest variables that you cannot account for how much injuries watered down or affected performance. I think that's right. So even if we say knew that, uh, Harper had uh, shoulder problems last year. What we wouldn't know is, are they fixed now? Um, how much did it hurt him last year? Right, We wouldn't take the stats at face value, right? Because there's still a lot of chance involved uh, in someone's actual performance. Um, so we wouldn't know that it hurt him to the tune of the difference between 2015 and 2016, even if we thought that it did hurt him. Uh, and we wouldn't know that he'd recovered, right? Um, so how do we, you know, tell tell our steamer computer uh, that he was hurt, and uh, how we think that should affect his projection if, if we don't really even know? Um, I think so. I think our, our best bet is maybe to attack the problem a little in a slightly different way, to say that um, we're going to try and use the most granular data we can to pick up on his current ability as quickly as we can. So if it turns out that he is healthy in a way that he wasn't last year we find that out as soon as possible. Right. And well, that it's interesting because, um, yeah, I think that takes me over to like another train of thought, which is, you know, how do how, how do you adjust for cases? Yeah. Like let's say the first two weeks of April Harper's doing well. Um, now in, if we were, if we were to think like an average fantasy person and how they wait, you know, so so obviously they're not doing purely mathematical weighting, but just let's say recency bias, we'll call it. You know, if in two weeks he he hits like six homers, he's crushing the ball. You know, like almost everything he's yeah that that would basically confirm in in a, a lot of people's minds that he's back and that 2015 is the norm, and everything else should be thrown away as irrelevant. That now mathematically I disagree with that, but. Um, so let's say in the first two weeks he does really well. Can you give us a sense for how, based on your um, research and kind of statistical analysis, like what percent of his uh, projection is influenced by, let's say, the first two weeks? Yeah, in, in, in reality, not much, right? Um, that for, for most things we're looking at, two weeks, we'd say the sort of uh, – Variance due to chance is much larger than sort of the variance in in our sort of uncertainty in his actual ability, right? There, there are a couple of exceptions for that. For pitchers, the exception would be this guy starts throwing a lot harder, right? Then that's not just some uh, some fluke. There's something's really happened there, and so that would change a pitcher's projection uh, more or less right away. For hitters, um, where we could get and, and uh, where we're getting, I'd say, is is a place where if all of a sudden he starts hitting the ball a lot harder, right? So it has a much higher exit velocity. That could change his projection, at least um, not quite to the extent of fastball velocity, but it could change his projection um, even over the course of a couple of weeks uh, by by some by a substantial amount. That's well, that, yeah, that yeah. So I had like a list of questions, and there I'm just kind of throwing them out because every answer you have leads to like better questions than I'd have thought of. Um, so yeah, so I remember. So fastball speed. Correct me if I'm wrong. I felt like that was one of the first areas where you 
where Steamer kind of went beyond, let's say, the, the traditional... Um, I think that, that one wave of projection sources, I'm going to say Marcel was one, Joan, or Shaw, I never knew how to pronounce that one, which was, uh, you know, um, by a guy called Sean Smith, who I th- think work, went to work for the Angels, but you never really know on those things. Um, right. And yeah. and uh, Zips um, were kind of like, you know, that, that next level that I think of more kind of free open source projections uh to compete against Pakoda. Um, and I remember in our initial talks, I remember when, one thing that l- you felt led to slightly better pitcher projections on Steamer, where you started making a bit of inroads, um, you know, pre-fan graphs, where you kind of, kind of blew up, um, was fastball speed on pitchers. Yeah. Um, I mean, our thinking was, if, if if you don't know anything about a guy, right? And we we all played. Uh, this is Dash and Peter and I. We all played. And Peter, correct me if I'm. This is unfair. Uh, sort of a, in a, in the kind of crappy high school baseball league. Is this is that unfair? I um, think we were the, the top tier of the crappy though. Okay. okay. Um, so you were the Korean league of you were the Korean league of the high school set. Exactly. I mean, I think if, if we were playing. Um, you know, any other good high school, we would get destroyed. But if we were playing like a very good middle school, I think we would have done okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to uh, criticize too much because the uh, baseball team I'm talking about here is, of course, the uh, Steamers. Um, that is true. And, and to be fair, it's it's just I mean, like playing any baseball played like in like the top half of the U.S. is like on a different level. I feel like than like that that bottom half. Oh, I mean, I could, I, I could tell you that, that story about that. I mean, so Dash, very quick story. Dash and I were doing the whole recruiting trail. We thought we were quite good when we were in high school. And we get get down to, like, some Virginia recruiting camp. And we, you know, go down in the hotel. All these kids are staying there. First, we look up. Everyone is, like, 6'4 and huge. And, and the other thing is they're playing 11 months out of the year. And we're playing, you know, three months. And for one month, we're playing in a gym. So, you know, it really keeps no contest when you're playing with the guys in the South. You, you should have, like, offered maybe – you maybe could have got an offer, like, you know, like a tenth of their future earnings for your UCL. <laughs> that could have been a good idea. Just start investing like, in them to front them a little money, you know? Yeah, so I'm going to invest in some Northeast ligaments because, I mean, the rest of their bodies are useless. They're, sh- they're too short, and uh, they, only pl- they only play four or five months a year because of weather, um, exactly. except for Mike Trout. From from my right. home state of New Jersey, um, well, Melville. Yeah, and I think Todd Frazier is from New Jersey um, as well. He, he's, I think, yeah, from Tom's River. Um, oh, so you're so, digressing. So we were talking about how fastball speed. Um, you had noticed in your, in your, right, right. Uh, in your double A. High school. So, so- Right, exactly. So my, my, my point was only we, we'd get up there. You'd know nothing about this pitcher, right? There was no uh, scouting report, no nothing. But you'd see right away how hard this guy throws, right? And uh, in truth, that told you a good bit about how good this guy was going to be, right? Um, at least to me. Now, maybe I just, you know, always had trouble catching up with the fastball. So this loomed large in my mind, right? But um, the point was, like, we could set what, what a statistician would call as, like, a, a, an informed prior, Right on this pitcher, based on his fastball velocity, and that could help improve our projections for this guy. Right, uh, you know, is that Bayesian? Yes, Bayesian. Or... 
Well, somewhere, somewhere, Nate Silver just uh, had to had to change of clothes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I actually remember we presented um, Dash, the, our, our third founder, who's right now in Tokyo, so is unable to join the podcast. But he presented um, at the Saber Seminar a few years back in Boston on mm-hmm. on this and how we differentiate ourselves from a fastball perspective. So instead of regressing every single pitcher to a, a, a single mean it's your bucket into to different groups and that will actually be more predictive when you're narrowing the pool that you are predicting against interesting now you know one of the so now have you guys with this with all the stat cast data and i know you get you might have access to some and not others and it's kind of um constantly evolving is there anything toward you know looking at their other pitches, whether it be the pitch mix, you know how the the drop or movement on whether it be a cut fastball or slide or anything like that? Have you guys been able to get your hands on any of that data to analyze? Well, the um, the data on pitch movement we have, you know, back through that uh, through the pitch FX era. Um, and we've played around with it. I think the the one sort of success we've had with it, is that we can project pitcher splits a lot better. Um, so without that data, it may take a long time to know uh, how how well a uh, say a relief pitcher is going to perform against left-handed or right-handed batters. Um, but with that, if you know a pitcher's pitch mix and their arm angle, uh, you can tell pretty well who's going to be successful against righties and who's going to be successful against lefties. Um, so so there's, we've we've had some success there. I'd say the other thing you could predict with pitch data is you could predict whether a pitcher is going to be a ground ball or a fly ball pitcher reasonably successfully. Um, but when we've flat out tried to predict which pitchers are going to be good based on their arsenal, what they throw, and how it moves, um, I think the gains have been really minimal over just using fastball velocity. So it's, it's really hard to sort of push past that and do that next step. Now, maybe that's because we're not doing the right thing and, and don't have the right model. Um, but I think that, that that's proven hard. No, well, I mean, I think I think it is like kind of the, you know, it's it's something you have to deal with, um, where you get data in, and you, and even if you really want it to work, because I mean, you're doing the test, you're doing the work, you'd like it to work. Um, sometimes you just have to be able to at least take a pause or just not include it in the data set because if it if it's not helping, you know, the reality is it's like you, there's no need to make your formulas more complex than they need to be. I had the same issue with umpires. It seemed like it makes sense that, oh, well, if based on this umpire for this day, you know, that could have an impact. And the impact was so infinitesimal on strikeouts. I was just like, oh, it's just not worth it, especially, um, yeah, and when I see other people using it, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how you somehow could have squeezed anything out that I couldn't have found. It yeah. seemed pretty straightforward. No, no. I think I think the jury's still out also on like the the pitch framing by the catchers. Similar well, to that, right? Well, I think the tough thing is something like that is that when you bring in umpires, there's a subjectivity, and the feel and because there's it's 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 less of a skill as more as kind of a, a a fixed skill than an evolving skill. So as judgment comes in, you're you're dealing with a moving target. You can only and so and once someone observes let's say a bias that a guy's too strikeout strike friendly, well then he's changing. And I feel like the framing got into the case where it's like, oh, it's Luke Croy trying to pull one over on me ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So it's it, I just I just felt like I'm just gonna yeah take a break off of any of that stuff. Um, now the exit velocity stuff. So I'm really interested in the hitter stuff, but one one you know um, I think um, every year there's always like a a pitcher that comes out that everyone's um, super interested in because they can control the quality of hitting off the bat. I know uh, I think Tony Blangino's done a lot of stuff on Fangraphs on it. Um, I think last year Kyle Hendricks was the contact manager of the year. Um, are you guys? I, re- looking- I remember the days when Chen Ming Wong was the contact guy. He's yeah, he had two years in there. If only he never had to run the base paths. I know, that- and he pulled that hamstring. Oh, was yeah. it? That- I thought he had like a Liz Frank injury on his foot, which is like There's a foot. I think he. I mean, re- I mean, ridiculous. But yeah, those Liz Frank injuries, uh, which I think JD Martinez almost had, but they say it's not officially. Yeah, those things are bad. Um, yeah, that, I think that completely derailed his his uh, what could have been yeah, a, amazing contact management career. But are, are you looking at exit velocity for pitchers to help with things like you know BABIP or ISO or something like that? Um, we're not there yet. Um, so I'd say I think it's going to make more of an impact on the hitters. Uh, so we're we're trying to move past the sort of exit velocity stage with hitters and get into uh, launch angles and sort of deviations from a hitter's ideal launch angle. Um, and then I think get, dive into pitchers after that. I think, well, I mean, we may, we may turn out to be surprised by this, but, you know, we know that BABIP varies so much from year to year, um, which I think tells us that there's sort of a limit to how much could, that we can gain from using exit velocity for pitchers. That, 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 that would basically be a, a signal. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and it's like homers per nine, you know, uh, I mean, once you account for something like even fast balls, that I think the homers per nine are so fluky year to year as well. Right, yeah. Yeah, home runs per fly ball. Uh, it's, yeah. It's mostly noise, except, you know, maybe over the course of a career, right, we're getting a, a solid signal. Yeah, I think Burt Blylevin gave up a lot of homers. Yeah. <laughs> um, that I, uh, for some reason, that nineteen, that one year he had where he gave up like forty-seven homers is like etched in my mind. Um, the um, no, okay, that, so it's interesting. Yeah, so so you're using not just like for the hitters using more exit velocity and launch angles and using all all the stuff that we're reading about in fan graphs and baseball prospectus and and other sources, um, but where those are kind of coming at it. And I to MLB, I think. Um, you know, Darren Willman and Mike Petrello have been doing really great work over there. Um, but it's, yeah. it's pretty awesome to hear that, you know, I think from a fantasy side, that stuff's all anecdotal. I take it, I, I, I take it in and I, it colors my opinion on players. But in the end, the projections play so much of a bigger role. So I think it's really helpful to know that, you know, all this stuff that you guys are, it seems like the second you could get your hands on stuff, you're testing it and, kind of steamer projections are kind of like this kind of a, an organism, like a living organism that's constantly evolving and improving as you get more, uh, Intel. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I mean, of course, like, you know, a new data set is just, you know, the most exciting thing in the world for us. And, uh, what can we do? Dorks. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, one of, should I say one of the most exciting things in the world, uh, just, uh, getting back to the kid anyways. Okay. So, uh, I'll say one up. We'll go one up. Um, 
like you were saying about the umpire strike data, though, um, there is an advantage in not getting too complex for no reason. I think one of the things that can trip up a complex system is just little bugs, the little bugs, little unintended oh, things in the system that it totally. can do, right? No, no, I mean, yeah, no, I, I, as I go through things like, because, yeah, I mean, I, I've, yeah, last year I had to go through my whole um, code for the, the daily projections because, um, so I've been, so, because once you guys hit the pitcher split, so we had the hitter split data, that, that I think I got in there two or three years ago, and that was easy, and I didn't realize the pitcher split data took like a complete, almost a complete rewrite of the code to, oh, to get in there right, because it's all about these matchup stuff, and um Oh yeah, and whenever you go through the code, you'll find something that like, oh, that didn't make sense. I did the park factor like that. Oops. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it's extremely humbling, but it, yeah, the, the, a quick learning for anyone. If you're, you know, like, if if something doesn't notably improve something, if it's really rounding error, get rid of it because that's one more thing you could, uh, one less thing you could f up. Because um, yep. those things happen even to the the best of people. And to me, um, the so I, I know we're we're gonna be running short on time. Uh, one one thing I want to throw out there and get your feeling on is that yeah that this time of year there's a number of different people that come out with projections. Um, you know we got the steamer, the zips, the fans, the um, you know various sites come out with theirs. Um, you know our main writer Gray comes out with his own. Um, but there's also these sources that basically aggregate. Um, and it could be as simple as the Fangraph depth charts take steamer and zips. I don't know if it's 50-50 or if there's any type of uh, preference there. Um, Fantasy Pros takes just about any expert, and I don't know what they do with it if it's not straight averaging. Um, some other sources. I guess what's your take on you know, either this straight averaging of a number of sources or, you know, if someone's maybe, you know, got a little bit of bona fide says, Oh, I'm going to look at two or three years of data and use a regression to figure out optimal weighting for yeah. these various projection sources. Um, well, okay. So I, I actually, I think there's something to be said about just taking a couple and, and, and plain old averaging them rather than doing the regression thing. Um, which is maybe surprising, right? The regression thing seems like the statistical answer, right? You throw these guys' different projections into a linear model. You're trying to predict the, the stats in that year, what combination works best. From a stats perspective, there, there's a little bit of a problem there in that all of our predictions are much more correlated to each other than they are to the results, right, which come with all the you know surprise of the season and all the random noise. So if you're trying to predict thing A from B, C, and D, and B, C, and D are all highly correlated with each other, um, the weights you get in that model could, could end up being pretty noisy, right? You have like a collinearity problem, right? Um, so, I, and I think that kind of makes the case for just plain old averaging them. Now, I do think you should sort of pick what you think are the best, right, if you're going to do it. And... I'd say one thing you don't want to do is, is some systems aren't trying to project playing time, right? So you wouldn't want to average in playing time projections, which are just sort of everyone gets 500 or whatnot uh, with, with the system that is working to project playing time. Um, 
I think the gains that I think that's like a reasonable, safe thing to do. I don't, I don't think the gains over using a steamer. Uh, I mean, I think we could compete pretty well with with an aggregate. I'd say um, maybe Dan Rosenheck or folks who really work hard on the aggregation uh, would would take issue with that, and, and maybe he'd be right. Um, I guess the argument against just taking good ones and averaging them is that you might have end up picking two that are very similar. And the, and the advantage of doing the regression model is you might say, Hey, these fans on fan graphs, they're not on their own. They're not necessarily good, but they do contain information that's not in the, the computer, you know, algorithm models. So they should get some weight. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure I have sort of the definitive answer to that, but I'm a little wary of the, uh, regression idea yeah yeah it feels a little overbaked, especially as you yeah when you look at something like steamer that's changing year to year so if there was some if you if you notice some little quirk you know that steamer had a little strength on guys with a longer track record and a little worse on rookies versus another thing i think some i've did pretty the two-year players it's like okay well that might change next year. So that you're always kind of looking back instead of looking forwards. Um, yeah, one, you know, you also brought up one thing um, with playing time. So I remember in some of our discussions a couple of years ago, I remember looking at this stuff and, you know, while I had some ideas on the projections, particularly the bastard fantasy relevant categories like runs and RBIs, um, part of the thing was like, you know what, if, where I'm going to throw all my time is on playing time and injury projections like DL time because I didn't see any value add in messing around with the projections. I think I used to combine you guys with Cairo because that was available early and then eventually zips and I just kind of threw it out. But um, on playing time, I'll often see something like, well, fan, well, steamer says this playing time and that doesn't seem right. And I'm like, I don't think you guys are sitting there every day talking on Skype saying, should we move this guy's playing time up? Should I change the algorithm to make sure that Tim's has 550 plate appearances versus 525? Could you officially say on this podcast, you know, when people see your playing time projection on, let's say, probably fan graphs, because if they see it on ours, it's my playing time estimate. What does it represent when they see it on fan graphs? Yeah, uh, well, so preseason, it's a combination of a couple things. It's a combination of the Fangraphs depth charts, um, where this is Fangraphs authors. I think like they're, uh, each author maybe has a division, and they're setting the playing time and the depth chart for that division, for teams in that division. Uh, it's a combination of that and sort of an, an optimism-adjusted uh, fan uh projected playing time so you know the the fans all project playing time for different players uh but they tend to be a little too optimistic so if you sort of scale those down you can get pretty decent uh preseason projections of playing time and then we'll com combine those with the fan graphs depth charts sort of depending on how many fan ballots um a player has they'll either be more fan ballot or more depth chart uh but then as in season as it as it gets into the season it'll basically be fan graph depth charts because those preseason uh, fan uh, projections um, aren't meaningful anymore. Okay, so I think it's it's fair. So so I think one, it's fair to say that work, you know, that you have in intelligence going into it versus zips is really just a a number out there. Like you never want to use a zips playing time projection. Um, 
But the other thing is, don't blame Steamer. If if you don't like it, it's probably whoever's doing it on the Fangraph depth chart. <laughs> uh, anything that starts with the "don't blame Steamer," I'm not going to argue with. Um, <laughs> I guess, but you know, uh, that's it's, uh, for our minds um, the 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 best we can do, right? Because, like you said, Peter and I will not be on Skype every day trying to adjust everyone's playing time because. Uh, because he doesn't pick up my call. I speak for myself here, right? Yeah, I'm just not on, on top of that stuff to that extent. <laughs> All right. Well, well, it's, it's, it, yeah. Okay, what, what, what's up, JB? Uh, I was just going to say, uh, how do you project, uh, like, do injuries factor in playing time? How, how, much, how do you, like, project injuries? Yeah, so um, so this is this is going to be someone on the, you know, in the fan graphs from one of the fan graphs authors uh, moving a guy on the depth chart based on an injury. Um, which I think more, more or less works pretty reasonably. Um, it's a little tricky when, so there isn't, there isn't like a short term depth chart and a long, and you know, a long term depth chart. So if someone gets injured for a week, they may get bumped out of that closer role. And what steamer won't know is that they're going to be back in. Right. Um, so, so that's not ideal. But other than that, it's just someone moving it around on the, on the depth chart. Gotcha. How do you do? How do you think about injuries like going into the season, though? Okay. Well, in terms of how it should change the a player's projection. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, this guy's really injury prone. Giancarlo Stanton, for example. Like, how, right. how do you how do you weigh the the games played you project for him? So, so we're uh, leaving that in the hand of those authors to come up with. They're basically saying. <clears throat> You know what percentage of the plate appearances at this position for for this team um, should go to a player? So they're slicing up the the games at each position amongst the players on that team, and so if they think a guy's injury prone, they're going to give him a you know a smaller share than they would. Gotcha. Cool. That makes sense. Um, we're going to have to wrap it there. Thanks so much for you guys hopping on the show, Jared and Peter. How can we uh, find your uh, – what, what would be the best ways to find the Steamer projections, read more? Do you have anything to plug, stuff like that? You can, of course, find us on, on Rasball uh, and on Fangraphs under the projections and uh, steamerprojections.com. Uh, Peter, anything I'm missing here? Uh, you definitely f- follow us on uh, Twitter. Uh, Jared, you know, is running that handle. So check in for time to time for any new updates or any analyses that we're running, like ad hoc, um, maybe baseball or other. Um, yeah, and just uh, follow along. Cool. Thanks so much, guys, for hopping on. That's Peter Rosenblum and Jared Cross from Steamer. I know uh, Rudy was really excited for this interview. Rudy, did, did this help any of your tools? Oh, but, well, no. I mean, the steamer day is already in the tools, so it, it doesn't help it as much. But I know uh, you, being a Brewer fan, I, I I hope you got something out of the Eric Thames discussion. Uh, I I think you guys are way too pessimistic. He's gonna hit 50 homers, have 150 RBIs. It's gonna translate directly his KBO stats to the Brewers because it's a hitter's park. I don't know what the uh, pessimism it's- is. I think it's like peak Prince Fielder is the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the floor. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, thanks again, guys, for hopping on. We'll catch up with you guys again down the road. And uh, have a good one. Good luck to Steamer's projections this year. All right, thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. Bye, all. Thanks to the Steamer guys for joining us on the podcast. Gray, I didn't know. I We're doing an outro now. Do you remember what outro means? <laughs> I don't know. I thought, are we sure this is an outro? You know what? Uh, here's, a, here's a little side note. 
Ralph, uh, Prospector Ralph. I get LinkedIn, uh, be my friend on LinkedIn. I get emails from Ralph every single day. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you accept them? Uh, connect. Don't you want to connect with uh, Rap and Ralph on well, LinkedIn? Why don't you want to connect with Ralph? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm I'm more of a help guy. I've already we've talked about this. I would connect with help on LinkedIn. All right, you hear that? I don't, help. Actually, I don't have a link. Not only do I not have a LinkedIn profile, but here's a little here's a little trivia about Gray. I've never had a real job. <laughs> All right, on that note, I think that's not a surprise to anyone. Help! Try to LinkedIn Gray anyway. We're gonna be get out of here. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to Jared. And Peter from Steamer and Rudy, of course, uh, for helping make all our tools and all that stuff. Gray, next week we'll have a couple games to talk about and fi- and give our final preview for the season with our 2017 picks. Let's uh, let's hope you pick Jeff Smarja for AL MVP again. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Did I do that? Yeah, you did. Uh, you're, you're That's fake news, man. No, fake, come fake on. news. <laughs> His last year on the White Sox, you picked up the winning Oh, man, am I stupid. Oh, all right. It's amazing that it's, – it's, thank God we have loyal, uh, loyal listeners and readers, man. <laughs> they will... it's, it's shit like that where people could easily be like, you picked Jeff Zavar. <laughs> <laughs> you goddamn idiot. Uh, if, if this wasn't being read on the internet or listened to on a phone or however people listen to podcasts, I'd have eggs thrown at me. <laughs> if this was in person. All right, we're going to get out of here. Bring your eggs for next week's show. Talk to you then, Greg. All right. Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Much more somber now. <laughs> somber. No. <laughs> that's wrong. Let's try it again. What? That's wrong? <laughs> Hello? No, that's wrong. Try it again. Try it again. You got the wrong filter on. Oh, my God. All right. I'm not somber. It's the wrong filter. (laughs) With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.